Pastor Hannah, who's normally here and preaches here regularly, is preaching at Urban Village Church Edgewater. You may not know, but Urban Village Church is four sites throughout the city of Chicago. Uh, but we share resources and we share preachers because we believe that that's what the kingdom of God looks like, is sharing. And so I'm here today. And we're going to take a deep breath. Breathing in the peace of God. Breathing out any anxiety or frustrations. Breathing in the hope of God and breathing out grief and violence. Breathing in the love of God. Knowing that God's presence is here. It is the Holy Spirit of God that sustains us. And so we breathe it in. With a similar breath, Jesus' followers probably inhaled a deep gasp. <gasps> and they gathered in closer to Jesus. The kingdom of God, is it coming now? Jesus had just committed his life into the hands of God on the cross. He had breathed his last breath. And then he had been discovered wandering back on the back roads to Emmaus and revealing himself to people, exposing himself to people, not that kind of exposing himself to people. This is a sermon. But after exposing himself to some people, Jesus met up with his disciples and kicked it with them for 40 days. And then Jesus found it was time to bounce. And the faithful and the not-so-faithful had gathered and said, the kingdom of God, is it coming now? And they held their breath for an answer. And then Jesus answered like Jesus always does with kind of a crappy, evasive answer and says, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, if I were a disciple back in those days, I would have to be thinking, what the heck is power, and where does it come from, and who has it? Because let's face it, some of us have power, some of us have different types of power, some of us have very little to no power. Do you have power? Good for you if you have it. Maybe over this lifetime you've tried to cultivate a little bit of power for yourself by creating your own brand and putting out your art and your words and all your things into the universe. Maybe you've tried to use your meager amounts of whatever you have left over after paying student debt as money for influence. And power comes in different forms too, doesn't it? It comes in education, it comes in bodily ability or sexuality, gender identity, gender, it comes in the color of our skin, it comes in the amount of money we might have or say we have. I look back over my life and I wonder, sweet baby Jesus, what is power? Who has it? Where does it come from? And then there's also like the Sunday school answer, right, that says, Oh, God is powerful, and power comes from God, and God gives and God taketh away power. But let's face it, some people in this life have to demand power, have to yell and scream and fight and fight back, not just even for power, but for life. 
Some have very little time to worry about power. And so Jesus leaves his followers. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then these men and these women and those pushing the boundaries of gender norms, they sit around and say, oh. The author of our text, this is the author Luke, who also wrote the gospel according to Luke. This is his sequel, shall we say. He says they were all gathered together, all of them. And this is the week of Shavuot. Does anybody know what Shavuot is? Extra brownie points? Nope. Because it's the week, most Jews don't know what Shavuot is anymore, but Shavuot was actually the feast of weeks. It was the celebration of the law coming to the people, and the people would come to celebrate a recommitment to the law. I am going to live by God's law in my life. That is Shavuot. And so the city, Jerusalem, was filled with crowds of people, these festival goers, much like a festival in Chicago, only there were probably a lot more beards and a lot more women. It probably smelled bad, and there were less bikes and more livestock. And so these people had gathered for Shavuot, and Jesus' followers gathered in an upper room. It was stale smelling, so they opened the windows. They could hear the crowd goers below them. This was the same upper room, maybe, that they had gathered a few weeks before, and the door had been locked, and Jesus appeared doing this, like, breaking and entering to say, peace be with you. But then, there were all of those together. Those who had formally denied Jesus, uh, not mentioning any names, but that once, twice, three times, a smother, son of a mother, Peter. There were the women who were faithful, who had faithfully looked death full in the face and then gone back to bury Jesus. They were all there in this room. But the times had changed. The times had changed for these Jesus followers because they were now leaderless for the second time. Their quick-witted, harsh-languaged leader who resurrected had left them. The one who used to draw people into community and into relationship, who used to draw in the people who were once cast out of society. The one who Jesus had pieced out and then they were left picking up the pieces of their community. So the times had changed yet again. And then the fury of God was unleashed. The passage makes it sound kind of terrifying, doesn't it? Ferocious winds, fiery tongues filled their tiny space, causing the disciples and all of those outside to hear what was going on, and they all freaked the freak out. And the crowds on the street called up saying, what is this? Who are these country bumpkins from Galilee?" Have they already smashed a case of PDR? It's only 9 in the morning. Tell them brunch starts at 10. This is 10. Jesus followers, the folks from out of town, not just the men, not just the women, but all of them, they were speaking in these different languages. They were communicating that the kingdom of God is at hand, saying, y'all, that means all of y'all. Y'all are all welcomed to the kingdom of God. Because as Peter later explains, the spirit was poured out on them. This spirit was no longer just for the blowhards in power. No, no, this spirit blew over everyone. The wind swept across the mighty. It swept mightily across the poor and the enslaved, the old and the young, the men and the women, and all those on the spectrum in between. The spirit did not discriminate with who got to receive power. 
but the spirit shared power with all, and it was lit. That's why it was like they were drunk. And Peter, most courageously, was telling the truth to those people present, saying, times have changed. There is a new community happening here. It is a community with power from God to create and provide newness of life. It is a community who struggles with each other and suffers together, a community that is toppled over sometimes and that triumphs on behalf of each other, on behalf of God and with God's help. And the times have changed, so breathe it in. But then, uh, so Luke wrote this text, the author of the book of Acts and the gospel according to Luke. This is the sequel. Did you get that already? Luke wrote this text, but he wasn't a Jewish person. He converted to Christianity later, but never was a Jew. But it seems like he probably understood the things of Judaism and the Jewish historical understanding of faith. The times had changed, but had God changed really that much? According to Luke's account, the energized community by the Spirit of God would ring familiar to Jewish ears. God regularly presented God's self in the form of a mighty wind. God would sweep God's self in sweeping cyclones over waters of deep and create newness of life, bringing forth creation in the story of Genesis. God would present God's self in a whirlwind, cracking comments at the devastated Job. And God would present God's self as a dust storm, leading the people out of exile and into freedom through the desert by day. And then God also presented God's self in fire. God often was considered the all-consuming fire found in the burning bush before Moses, a friendly fire that did not consume three, maybe four people after Nebuchadnezzar tossed them in. God also presented God's self as this tall torch, helping lead the people out of exile and into freedom through the desert by night. God has always been, Peter reminds them, and always will be powerful and mighty. God will always be about deconstructing the walls that separate humans from other humans because all people are worthy of God's power, Peter says. So this is not a new story, Luke shares, but it is shared in a new time because the world had just been rocked by a baby in a manger born to a woman of color, a pregnant teenage woman. So we take in a deep breath. Because God's spirit is here. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like we live in a new time. Something happened maybe last November that feels like the world has been rocked. We live in a time when denial is real, when isolation of the individual and isolation of the nation feels like it should be paramount, when ice caps continue to melt when hurricanes are swelling and when Flint, Michigan's dam water is still dirty with poisonous levels of lead, we live in a new time. And these new times, they call for the same thing. They call for people of the spirit. They call for all people to be prophesying, 
which prophesying is not like seeing into the future, looking at an orb and all of us placing our hands on it. No, prophesying is just telling the truth, telling the truth about these distressing realities. These new times call for people to dream dreams and see visions of a new reality, of what God's reality for this world is, of what is possible, not just what is present, but what God dreams for this world. And so God calls us to bring about this new creation, which is about wholeness and mercy and justice. But being spirit-filled and truth-telling is it's scary. You have to be vulnerable, you have to be brazen, and you have to be powerful. Truth-telling is about opening oneself up to criticism, to being different, to being, to be challenging of the society's norms. Truth-telling also requires us to be vocal, calling out injustice and calling out the obvious and calling people into compassion and into life-changing relationships. It calls us to be forgiving. Truth-telling is powerful because it sees a bigger picture a broader picture of justice and mercy for all. But let's be honest. The idea of power, one person's idea of power does not always feel like the freedom-giving power that is offered for all. That's why prophesying, that's not seeing into the future and all of us putting our hand on an orb, but it is telling the truth, is dangerous and challenging. I don't know if you're on the gram. I am. You can follow me. I'm at Erin James Brown. But I follow lots of really cool celebrities, mostly. Uh, Yara Shahidi, this week, uh, she is an Israeli black person who is on the show Blackish. She's also like a mogul and does all really kinds of cool things. And I'm in love. She recently posted this picture of herself, and her comment says she is holding open the doors that were held open for her. Being people of the spirit and being powerful is called to be vulnerable, to stand in those middle spaces, holding open the door for others to experience God, holding open, for the, holding open the doors for others to be welcomed in, and being courageous enough sometimes to pry off the hinges of the doors that have been locked to keep people out. And I hate to tell you, but it's not up to Yara, it's not up to me, it's not up to Danny, because it's not just going to be a preacher leading this charge from the pulpit. It's not about folksy worship singers who like lull you to sleep with their sultry music. No, it's too easy to view that there's one person, this expert, who's going to tell us how to do it from the sidelines. Instead, as Peter insists, the Spirit of God is poured out widely, and we all have to be about participating in it, doing the interpretation and the living out of it together. The Spirit empowers interpretation, and it happens corporately. It happens when we all show up. So it's essential, essential that we show up. It's essential that people show up to be a part of the greeting team, because the greeting team... I know, Ty, you do a great job welcoming people in because people have been taught that the Spirit of God is not for them and they need to be welcomed, invited into this place. 
It's important for people to be on the AV team because people need to be welcome to see the words of God printed on the screen. It's important for people to be in small groups, for people to be wrestling in relationship with each other, seeing each other for who they really are and saying, you are loved and beloved by God. As spirit-filled people who believe that the spirit has been poured out like, um, like lighter fluid on flames, we are called to be in this community of fire and of dreams. And that's not easy either, because too often we do things alone. Does anybody like to do things alone? I don't understand that, but I'm glad you like to do things alone. But there are lots of other things we do alone that are unnecessary. I, who do not like to be alone, always walk to the CTA alone. I always sit on the bus alone. I always listen to my podcast alone. I always like and giggle at memes about Kofefe alone. We do so many things alone. But according to the scripture, we are not called to live always like that. But that when we show up together, when we are all in this together, that we are being that powerful spirit-filled people. That Sunday morning is not just about coming to church, but it's about being the church. That when we are here, we are the radical, Jesus-like, spirit-filled, truth-telling people by gathering here together, by lifting our voice, by looking across the aisle and seeing someone not as a stranger, but as a co-conspirator, as a comrade in this community-building effort. So we come we don't just come to church, we are the church. Because Pentecost, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit that's accounted in the book of Acts, is not just a one-time thing. It doesn't just happen, the wind doesn't blow, and the tongues of fire come up, and the moon turns blood red. Although that sounds terrifying, it doesn't just happen once. It happens regularly when we show up. When we gather together to sing, when we gather together to say dumb things and then have to come back and ask for forgiveness, when we come back and continue to do life together. The Spirit is overflowing when we drink of the table and eat. Wait, wait, wait. Eat of the table and drink of the cup. The Spirit is overflowing when we march with pride and say, you are loved and beloved by God. The Spirit is overflowing when we sit with each other in prayerful grief and when we sit with each other in prayerful celebration. We are the church. We are the church. We are the people of a fire, the people of a dream, because we are God's people united in Christ and called forth by the Holy Spirit. So breathe it in. We breathe in deeply as one, because it is the breath of God that sustains us. Will you pray with me? Holy God, you breathed, and the whole world came into being. Pour out your spirit, starting in the small, quiet places of our hearts, and then moving into the socially queer places where we gather and taking over to the ends of the earth. Lead us, God, your people, out of exile. May we return as citizens of your abundant commonwealth. 
Give us the tenacity to keep showing up. Give us the grace to extend to ourselves and to extend to others. And give us the courage, the powerful courage to be your church in a world that desperately needs what we have found in you. And so we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.